0: This episode contains discussion of sexual assault and content of a graphic nature which may be disturbing to some listeners. A journalist went aboard a homemade submarine with an eccentric inventor, thinking the trip would last just a few hours. The final text she sent on board would be the last anyone heard from her. Authorities combed the waters. Meanwhile, the last person she was seen with changed his story time and again. Soon her family was left to learn the truth of what had happened. This week's episode is The Murder of Kim Wall, Part 2. Up in the night, your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. We've said uh many times this is probably one of the most disturbing cases we've covered and i think this episode will be while we've tried to be cognizant of not being too graphic the truth and reality of what happened to kim wall
2: is a lot very graphic very brutal i think that it is the most brutal case we've covered it's one of the most heinous crimes i've ever heard of just it's Literally, the stuff that you would see in some kind of horror film that you're like, I mean, people write about this, but it doesn't happen. It did here, and it's beyond belief what this young woman went through in her final hours. The only, I don't even want to say good thing, I don't know what it is, but I'm, it's nice that her family has really decided we don't want her to be remembered only for her brutal death but as her the person she was before all this happened just like we say you're not the worst thing that's ever happened to you that your death doesn't define you and this case is a perfect example of that i would agree with that completely and i
0: think the idea of whose narrative remains is the one last semblance of dignity and Mm -hmm. that is that in some ways can be a bit more of justice when you have a person who like this perpetrator is intent on controlling and possessing and disposing of somebody saying the power of our love for this person is won't bring her back, but it's more powerful than the what you've done to her.
2: Right. Yes. You can you took her from us, but you're not gonna take her story that we're gonna tell and her yeah. memory from us. So Yeah. Um we're also gonna talk about laws in Denmark and the legal yeah. system there it's quite different than the United States. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, I have it? a lot of questions that I have been waiting to have answered because <laughs> I, I, I like to save stuff for the show. So it's an honest reaction. Yeah, no, I hope between
0: Australia and Italy and now Denmark and when we do cases in other countries, I will admit the, the, be the first to admit I'm not licensed in any of those places, but it is from a comparative law perspective. It's interesting to see what other countries do that we don't do in the states that's better. And in some cases, is it makes justice easily meted out or worse? Or, and so we'll talk about that when we get to the trial, which
2: was quite a spectacle as mm. well. Yeah, it was a circus. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. After boarding Danish inventor Peter Madsen's homemade submarine on August 10th, 2017, journalist Kim Wall was met with a fate worse than death. As details of her heinous murder began to emerge, Madsen's story of what had happened on the sub began to change. Peter's first confession came at a pretrial hearing on September 5th. He told authorities Kim died by accident on board the sub. According to Peter, he was holding the sub's 155-pound hatch open when his hand slipped. The hatch struck Kim, and she died as a result of a massive head wound. Peter claimed that he had panicked and pulled her body out of the sub using a rope before he buried her at sea. After Kim's torso was found, prosecutors increased the charges against Peter from involuntary manslaughter to the higher charge of manslaughter. Because initially
0: he said, oh, I dropped her off on the shore. She was fine. I don't know what happened. She's missing. And this is the first time where he kind of says publicly in this pretrial hearing, which isn't, it could or couldn't be open to the press in their book. Kim's parents said they seem to emphasize in discussing even something as simple as the timeline, Peter insisted that the press would be invited, insisted that would be open
2: doors, insisted yeah. that it would be open to the public. Insisted. He thrived on it. He was yes. the, the center of the spotlight. I mean, his whole entire life has been about just, you know, what, what others think of him. You know, his whole value is by what others think of him and seeming like this smart, uh, exciting character. So any chance he has to get in front of the cameras, he's going to take. Yeah. On September 6, 2017... Investigators asked documentary filmmaker Emma Sullivan, who had been filming Peter across the preceding 11 months, for all the footage she shot on the day Kim went missing. Emma was still filming as the news of Peter's involvement in Kim's death unfolded in the media. She and some of the RML volunteers discussed on camera how Peter had taken a hacksaw, meant to cut wood, onto the steel submarine the day of the murder. Footage also showed the same saw and its recognizable orange handle hanging behind Peter's head in a shot from an interview taken with him. So, yeah, at the time, the uh, interns just
0: watched him taking items onto the sub and didn't think about it. And in part one, we talked a little bit about that is some of the footage. Well, it was at this time, you know, a few days or almost a month after the disappearance and now confirmed death that the investigators start to say, what do you have now? Can we come through this? Can we look at this? And there is a very chilling shot of Peter talking. And then later, another one where that saw would have been visible behind him. And then hours later, the investigators compare the two shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the afternoon, they're just happen to be walking by that same wall, and the saw is missing. And they yeah. so they say, Okay, well, he took it, between this time and this time. It helps and that's establish what it a like.
2: timeline, yeah. It's very eerie to see all of this unfolding in real time. Rarely is a documentarian able to capture something as unique as that that then can help law enforcement. She just happened to be there filming all of this when he decides to do this. And in my opinion, it could have been her. And yes. I think... It could have been anybody. And he was just whoever was the first woman that agreed to go down there. It was going to be her. I think it could have been Emma. Sadly, it was Kim. Sadly, it was anybody. But it's so just unsettling to see him on camera the day of the murder. And we have, in hindsight, knowing what he's going to do. But you see just kind of the descent of his sanity and the Mm -hmm. way he is interacting with emma in one shot she's trying to mic him up and he is just staring at her neck in a way like a hungry lion would stare at a piece of meat it is so very dark while
0: simultaneously they're sitting down going oh i'm gonna get you mike it's just that little background chatter that they happen thank god to be rolling and her eyes are down so she's yeah. like oh i'm gonna get you mike i don't want to mess it up and he's like yeah 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 get it but his eyes are they're just staring in.
2: right at her neck it's so so creepy
0: and just seconds before he was like oh yeah let's get it going it'll yeah. be great <laughs>
2: and then he turns it off it turns it's- on and off very fast and quick. Sometimes I think it's intentional. Other times I think it gets away from him. It's chilling. Again, because you're seeing this unfold in real time, you're seeing the real reactions that his colleagues and friends are having to all of this. And it's understandable when it all first starts coming out. They don't think that he's guilty. They don't know what's going on. And so I think we talked about this in the The first episode to seeing kind of the progression of them learning of this and then slowly discoveries start to be made and how they have to grapple with learning that this person that they moved across countries for to follow and and help build his vision did the most unthinkable thing a person can do.
0: Yeah, and, and all, at the beginning, you're seeing the stages of denial, bargaining. Yeah. Well, maybe he tried. Well, maybe... And, and man, they get to acceptance, especially once more, more and more evidence comes out. That's a
2: good point. You really do see kind of the stages of grief unfold in real time. Yeah. On October 6, 2017, divers made a grisly discovery. In the same bay where Kim's torso had been found... They now recovered a head, legs, clothing, and a knife wrapped in plastic and weighted down. Dental records confirmed it was Kim. Days later, searchers found her arms in the same condition. Faced with this new information, Peter revised his confession. Now he admitted to getting rid of Kim's body, but would not admit to killing her. And it was around this time, too, in early
0: October, he had fought and fought not to have his computer seized, but his computers had been seized, so then you're seeing these reports more in the media that there's snuff films on the computer, and, oh, well, it was the interns. So now you're like, the interns have been defending him, and as soon as something inconvenient happens, he's like, I can at least give you one guy's name who used mm-hmm. that computer, starts trying to throw them under the bus, and it's
2: like, he's a psychopath. He doesn't, has no loyalty to you. Yeah, and it's sad when Emma talks to i believe it's stefan about that moment because stefan had lived in the workshop so peter said well one of the interns lived there and would sleep there i don't know what they looked up and then to see him say i'm the only one that lived in here so he's clearly talking about me and i thought this was my best friend and and peer and like that he'll turn on you he has no loyalty or actual sincere feelings towards anyone i think he's incapable of it no extreme self-centered ego narcissistic yeah also what hubris to say okay i will admit that i dismembered her body and threw it over the sub i'm not gonna admit that i killed her though which is insanity that any logical person would have an accidental death on board something, and then that's how they choose to get rid of it. We'll hear his explanation why. But that just, even now when you're like, surely we've got him. He's going to confess. He's like, no, no, you're still not getting me. No, he wants, and it's, I think the idea that he can control
0: it. Uh, he's mm-hmm. an absolute controlling, the type of person that thinks they can launch themselves into space yeah. with cobbled together things is the type of person that has no grip on reality. And to think that you're faced with this much very clear evidence that it was
2: you, that you could still lie your way out Mm -hmm. of it. Delusions of grandeur for sure. Yes. On October 12th, 2017 divers found the saw Peter had taken on board the sub discarded in the bay along the route. The Nautilus traveled on its final voyage. Authorities determined it was likely what was used to dismember Kim's body. A forensic search of Peter's computers turned up violent videos against women, depicting images of decapitation, strangulation, and torture. With the discovery of the saw and additional body parts, Peter revised his confession a third time. This time, on October 30, 2017, he claimed exhaust gases that had gotten into the submarine had killed Kim. He admitted to dismembering the journalist's corpse because he wanted to get her out of the sub more easily. Police continued their investigation into the Nautilus itself and confirmed their suspicions that the sub was intentionally sunk.
0: Yeah, just a a couple days after it sunk, they drug it up. And it was like we said in part one, and you'll see the firsthand interview if you watch Undercurrent with one of the officers in the Coast Guard who said, I could tell you immediately that the sub sunk. And one of the things that was pointed out in her parents' book was that a layperson, like a non-rescuer, a private Uh, boater was out there and Peter was waving to him from the sub and the private boater said, okay, let me come get you. And Peter said, okay, well, I guess the rescue is pretty far away. And the boater said, no, I radioed them. They'll be here in five minutes. And then Peter turned around, goes back in the sub and says, I forgot something i think there might be something wrong with the sub let me go look at it and the coast guard later said through he's this expert submariner he said i know for a fact based on the way the knobs were dialed he purposely sunk it so i think he thought it was going to naturally sink but as soon as that private boater said hey they're about to be here he was like Let me go in there and turn it on all the way. and Get rid of the evidence. He torpedoed it down. And and the thing is, again, you think you're so smart. And this guy who's like, or or all of the whole team of people that are the Coast Guard said, we've worked on submarines for decades. We know what knobs or what and we know there's no but issue Heather, with the ballast tank. he
2: went to a scrapyard and got <laughs> some metal and made a and made a rocket so clearly he knows what he's doing the submarine was made out of the bottom of a wind turbine i mean it's good
0: good job upcycling i guess but it's like <laughs> you can't think you can if you're a narcissistic psychopath
2: think that you are smarter than the entire danish coast guard right you can also plan all you want to do something like this he took pride in the fact and confessed that he had A murder plan what you can't take into consideration are all these variables like just a person out on their boat that happens to to see you and from the kindness of their heart thinking they're helping you makes a call for you to get rescued and that is what blows up your whole plan
0: yeah that you just it's these small variables Mm -hmm. but a psychopath thinks it doesn't
2: matter i i'm smarter than any variable it's like you're not no and I they have they never said that there was evidence on the sub once they brought it back up. So I'm assuming that water damage and whatnot just took care of anything that what they could have used. Yeah. Her
0: parents said in their book that uh, ultimately the internal forensic investigation was aside from seeing what valves returned where. Yeah. And being able to compare that to the photos that Kim had taken and texted before they dove down. Of uh, She had taken a photo of the. I believe the panel where it would show how deep they were and what direction they were going in mm-hmm. which that photo that she texts to Ole to her fiance was able they were able to narrow down the search area but aside from stuff like that they said they they didn't find anything which yeah. I imagine he threw everything that would have been incriminating overboard and then sunk it and then the water would have yeah. probably washed anything away. Agreed. Sinisterhood will be right back. Computer
1: Solitaire, huh? Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No Forward, period, by law. plus. Terms and apply. See website for details.
2: While grappling with the charges against their boss, Peter's volunteers tried processing what happened. A few months after the murder, volunteer Sarah provided an on-camera interview to Emma Sullivan, in which she discussed an earlier incident she described as... So fucked up. On August 4th, 2017, six days before Kim's murder, Sarah exchanged some strange texts with Peter that she meant as a joke. Sarah needed more motivation to work, so she texted Peter...
0: Can't you send me some little death threats? Then maybe I can get this work done faster. I'm working so slowly. Sarah received a reply from Peter that read, "Ha <laughs> ha! you must be bound in Nautilus. I bind you to pierce you with the skewer. Then the pocket knife comes forward. I'm looking at your throat. Where is the pulse? I have a murder plan ready, which is a great pleasure. Sarah also claims, he texted, We're going to make a movie with you and you have no choice. Now we're going to cut you into pieces.
2: In the wake of the allegations against Peter, Sarah was terrified. Documentarian Emma Sullivan encouraged Sarah to go to the police and offer to testify, and Sarah agreed. This was a powerful moment where you have a person who
0: is terrified, as she should be, but overcome with a sense of justice and feeling a debt a debt of gratitude not a debt of gratitude but feeling maybe a debt to kim yeah. of what can i do like she
2: owed it to her and she says yeah. in the documentary that she felt like she owed it to her she felt guilty that it had been kim when you know you you again we're seeing this in real time so she you're seeing her process the fact that this was going to be her yes it and it he had texted her to say Let's go out on the Nautilus tomorrow. It's sailing beautifully, which would have been the day after Kim was murdered. It just so happened that Kim ended up doing the interview that evening and went. Had she not, he would have gotten Sarah on there. And Emma asks her, would you have gone on the sub? And she was like, of course. I wouldn't have even thought twice about it.
0: Yeah. And it's that text message exchange and the text exchange planning for the next day where Kim just happened to get in to get that story under deadline Mm -hmm. that it is not. I mean, I think he was planning Any woman, but at the moment he had Sarah and just so happened that Kim happened to be there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Judging by this text and the evidence at hand, this paints a very grisly and gruesome picture that is probably just the tip of the iceberg of what went on. But it shows you what he already had in mind, what he was fantasizing about and had been for some time. Yes, And then... Eventually, the fantasies didn't satisfy him anymore. No. On January 16th, 2018, Peter Madsen was indicted on charges of premeditated murder, aggravated sexual assault and desecrating a corpse. On March 8th, he was put on trial. Throughout the trial, Peter maintained his story that Kim died as a result of an accident. With various delays, the entire trial lasted for nearly four weeks with 36 witnesses testifying during 10 days of proceedings. As part of the case, authorities had Peter evaluated by a psychiatric team. The results showed Peter was a highly intelligent psychopath, though he was not psychotic, meaning he was suffering no form of delusions when he attacked Kim. He lacked any feelings of guilt about what he had done. As he described dismembering Kim's body to authorities, he smiled and showed an extreme lack of empathy. The report concluded that Peter was not insane and was highly likely to commit acts of violence again. The evaluation also pointed to Peter's sexual deviance, something corroborated by his top three most searched porn inquiries of girl, throat, and pain. Hard drives recovered from his lab contained over 100 videos or links to videos containing murders, torture, beheading, and sexually motivated impalements in which all victims were women. The night before his submarine trip with Kim, he watched a video on his iPhone titled, Young Woman in Pain as She Slowly Beheaded with a Small Knife.
0: And a journalist from The New Yorker said that the video was exactly as the description was, that it was a throat-slitting video, and
2: that was his predilection. I can't begin to imagine having to sit in this courtroom as her friends or family or a juror or anyone in there and hear what went on. I mean, it's they they should they didn't show the films that they found on his computer to the courtroom because they were deemed so heinous. They did show them to jurors behind a partition, and one of the journalists was quoted as saying the things that they saw in there, they will never forget. I mean, how do you ever just sleep at night again after seeing such things? Yeah, it is damaging
0: just to see it once briefly To judge a case that you've been tasked with judging, and then you think about what type of person watches that, not only watches it it, with rapture, and then is sexually motivated by it. They described the—they kind of—it was an iceberg approach, right? They said, he's married. His wife was excused from testifying. She said that it would be damaging to her health, which I don't doubt it. I also
2: learned that his wife— Had been a previous was a follower of his like an intern or what? Yeah. Yeah. So she was already there was a power imbalance there and she was in that role before she married him. So I I think that. that, you know, it kind of also shows that she was not in a position to really do much.
0: No, and he told other people, oh, I'm I'm in an open marriage. He would go to sex parties, but then a person that was, you know, one of the other interns said, well, we never heard his wife say they were in an open marriage, but he sure said it a lot. And he was, you know, interested in these fetish societies, which if, if it's, consenting adults that are all wanting to do that, that's fine. He said in a text, I'm a perverted poly with a dream of a taboo free place where all adults in their right mind can do to each other, whatever they want. And if that's the type of place you want to go to, and there's a fetish club, but apparently that was not enough for him. And he he had predilections that were not BDSM. He had predilections that were murder, violent, fantasy, beyond that. And so that's when I think it was this lifestyle he tried, and it wasn't enough for him. So he got really into searching these videos to live the fantasy virtually. And then you look at a submarine, nobody can hear you scream. It's a perfect place to lure people. I think he started setting the sub up as becoming this Violent a sexual. Torture Den?
2: Den, yeah. Well, and another woman who he'd had a relationship with said he became obsessed with having sex on the submarine mm-hmm. and she said I was one of the many women that he took down there and and had, you know, consensual sex. She said he was extremely nice. He was uh, polite, like I would never have imagined anything like this. So it does seem like he has two different sexual sides one where he's into fetish play but it's consensual and he's respectful and then the one where he's watching snuff films fantasizing about beheading women and then acts on it and skewering them yeah you're right he had the kind of jekyll and hyde one of the
0: i think it was one of the interns or it might have been his biographer said he could be all charm in one moment and then in a rage that it would flip that's
2: he's he's a psychotic yeah yeah it's He's the scariest type of person to yes, me. Yes,
0: that you know he could just be walking among your, mm-hmm. he, in this case, your boss.
2: Yeah. Yeah, your boss, your friend, your husband, yeah. your lover. The kind, though, that you don't ever know who you're really getting. And you think for years, you know him. They're great. We're, we're, we're buds. And then you find out it was all a complete lie watching the Murdoch trial today, some testimony that was very similar to that from one of Alec's former law partners. Like, I never really knew who he was. And that's what all these... People that worked with Peter Madsen say, too. They're masking. They're very emotional. They were trying to say Alec
0: today was very histrionic. And Peter was very histrionic, like very dramatic, would flip things over, would be super dramatic, um, and then would calm down and then have a conversation with you. And to me, in retrospect, knowing that that's all an act, it's so eerie to think about that, that their real rage is actually violent, that Peter Madsen's real flip side that yeah he's gonna like get all mad on camera and be putting a parachute together and like oh nobody nobody gets my genius but that's all an act to to what he thinks a nice guy being mad looks like and when he's really mad he pulls out
2: weapons of torture Yeah. yeah for sure a pathological liar peter had changed his story multiple times by trial and was about to change it again reporters described him as excited and energized to take the stand. He testified that he had never been violent to any human being, no dead human being either. Peter emphasized his concern with protecting himself during what he called the insane situation of Kim allegedly dying by carbon monoxide poisoning, saying, I wanted to make sure there were
0: no traces in Nautilus, so yes, I'm in a condition where I want this accident to go
2: away. He also described Kim's body as a problem, saying, what do you do when you have a big problem? You divide it into something smaller. Her family is there hearing this, hearing him callously and flippantly describe dismembering their daughter Yeah, as if he should be praised for thinking outside the box of how to get rid of something very efficiently. And thinking that that's an acceptable thing to say, to say,
0: yeah. oh, I had a problem. So not saying... I treated this with disrespect because I was in uh, in shock at the time. And now, in retrospect, I see that I should have just radioed in. He's like, yeah, I did the right thing. Anybody on the sub would have done the same thing. And you're like, no, you were the only one. No on one. N- literally, probably no one else that you've ever met would do something no, like that. No. And think of it in that, well, it's just a problem. It's a simple problem. I'll fix it.
2: And I wonder if that's almost a calculated tactic of i'm not going to admit anything wrong because i'm not going to you know i i don't want anyone else thinking this is wrong i'm just gonna act like well it's just what i did like i shouldn't be getting in trouble for it or if that was his true point of view coming out i don't think
0: until we see much much later, I don't think we ever saw. And in the silent moments that Emma Sullivan captured, I don't think we saw the real Peter in any of these. In any so of so, you
2: don't think we've seen the real Peter ever
0: until the the, the, the interviews. Tapes? Yeah which we'll talk to, talk about later. But I think at this point he was still masking. He was still all, oh, sh- oh man, everything's well, an act. It's an act. And he's also very, like you said, perception driven. And so I think saying, well, the perception of me going, listen, I didn't care who it was. I just wanted him off the sub. So I cut him up. What he's like, I was being logical and rational.
2: Mm hmm. Look at me being so smart. hmm. However, this contradicted the evidence that showed Peter had not only stabbed Kim, but also dismembered her body. Prior to her death, when walking through the events of the night, Peter alternatively referred to himself in the first and third person, saying things like Peter is talking a lot. He's happily sharing his dreams with Kim and that Kim was having the time of her life. When asked why he Googled beheaded girl in agony just hours before leaving with Kim on the submarine, he called it pure coincidence. As for the snuff films, he said in his mind they were no different than Kill Bill or other mainstream movies. And, in fact, watching violence against women made him feel more empathetic. I'm shaking my head. So is Christy. (laughs) This guy's such a fucking idiot. It's hard to, I mean, pants down, idiot, monster, psychopath, everything it pisses me off, though, that he thinks he's so much smarter than anyone he's ever spoken to as if this is a thing, as if watching violence against women has been reported that it'll make you feel more empathetic and that that's a, a statistic we should all know and agree to. And yeah, the thought
0: that a snuff pornographic snuff film is comparable to an action movie. He's like, Hollywood makes action movies with violence and death all the time. Isn't that yeah. the same? And it's fake
2: computer generated also nothing in kill bill is as graphic as these snuff films
0: no and then not made for the same purpose or with the same it was a false equivalency he knew that i think again he's coming off from oh well i'm normal you all have watched horror movies it's right. the same thing we're all the Look same how relatable we are yeah we're all the same but this information is heart-wrenching because based on the DNA, blood spatter evidence on his jumpsuit and the evidence in the dismembered body parts knowing that that happened while
2: she was still alive. It's crazy. It's it's one thing I saw reported that she may have died of strangulation, but then to know that she was also alive during this, you know, it's... Regardless of the timeline of anything, the suffering she endured in her final hours is unlike anything I've ever heard of.
0: Yeah, and we did not want to list off every
2: No, there's no need
0: for that. There's no need, but it's beyond the pale.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in any article you read about this, every journalist is like, it is beyond belief. And good for them for not expounding on heinous details because like they said all the people that were there in those courtrooms and had to hear that lives will never be the same i also think it goes back to what her parents want and that's for her not to be remembered for this grotesque death that you know morbid curiosity might get the best of people but for everything she did prior to that
0: exactly and not being remembered for this really upsetting depressing incident that was hours out of a beautiful long
2: life that would have gone on much much longer yeah for sure the court also heard how peter was annoyed the day of the murder by a canceled rocket launch and had a brief chat with an intern about a book in which a victim's body parts were found in a storm drain the court also learned of a text from peter to his wife at 11:25 p.m. on the night of the murder which was read to the court that said
0: I'm on a little adventure with Nautilus and doing well, sailing in the moonlight, not diving, hugs to the cats. Which I have a question of, he would have had to emerge out of the water to send this text because you couldn't get service. So was she still alive and bound and being tortured and he emerged to send this message or was he... Either way, it doesn't matter at what point that any of this happened. The fact that he texted, yeah, love to the hugs to the cats to his wife,
2: the calling it a little adventure is yeah. what does it for me.
0: Yeah, and saying sailing, I'm sailing in the moonlight. It's so beautiful. When we know what he was
2: doing out there, I think though, this text, that's how he's feeling at the time. He's He's happy and giddy about what he's doing. And he's He's enjoying it.
0: Oh, yeah. And happy and giddy about testifying about it as well. Yeah. It's just, like you said, it's horrifying to think that somebody like that walks among us, that you can turn that on and off. That extreme violence to,
2: things are great. Yeah. Talk to you later. To your point of the timeline, I had originally thought he sent this and at that point she was not yet dead however when you point that out i'm thinking well would he risk emerging just to send a text to go back down when maybe somebody they could be spotted and some you know I, but if he's extremely narcissistic and thinks he can talk his way out of anything he might not have cared i think it's the second one and in the book kim's parents
0: said the bay area where they were sailing was dark was like yeah th- you could not see anything and the nautilus is black it's black no lights turned on you could emerge and nobody would notice True. and especially True. if he had he was able to monitor with a periscope to see if there was anything around oh there's no ships around i can mm. pop up send a text because it might be a you're trying to save yourself thinking oh okay if i don't tell my wife where i'm at she might say hey my husband was on a submarine and now he's missing so he yeah. went ahead and texted her to say i think to say you know basically we're okay don't call
2: the authorities yeah i think you're right and sadly i i think that kim was alive at that point and it was ongoing and the intern talked about yeah, the other book
0: in which the victim's body parts were found in a storm drain the intern said it was strange that day that he had said hey have you ever read this book and the intern said no and he said oh well You know, somebody killed somebody and they cut all their body parts up and then they threw them, you know, down a storm drain. But then it washed up and the intern's like, "Okay," And he said, isn't that don't you think that's like a bad idea because they would show up and the intern just is like, oh, I don't
2: know. I'm trying to work. Why are you bouncing ideas off? He's got it in his head and he's bouncing ideas. Unbeknownst to the intern of of his plans, kind of being like. What do you guys think? You can't go up to someone and say, Hey, I'm planning on brutally murdering someone later, and this is how I was gonna do it. Thoughts? I didn't He's even, asking for advice and feedback without asking for it. I
0: didn't even think about that. I just thought it meant he was reading a book that he liked, but you're right. I bet you he was putting it in the hypothetical.
2: If he's saying, Isn't that strange or isn't that a bad idea to me, that's saying right? you this would be bad if I did this like because then if someone was like oh no I think you could get away with that if you maybe if you weighted it down or something you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. but again he knows what he's gonna do most murderers when they know they're gonna murder they're not going around dropping breadcrumbs that it can be used as evidence later against them that they were thinking about this he doesn't give a shit and I think he maybe can't help himself
0: because he likes talking about it it excites him yeah I agree. Sinisterhood will be right back.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited
0: by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Peter admitted to dismembering Kim, but would not admit that he murdered her. However, because in Denmark, accused persons are under no obligation to tell the truth while testifying, this meant nothing. So here's where we first get into... The drastic differences between the Denmark legal system and the American legal system. In America, the first thing you got to do before you get on that stand is swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And if you lie up there, it's perjury and it's not good. Here, that is not the case. That is correct. Yeah. In the States, in theory, you can lie on the stand.
0: It's just. If you get busted, A, it probably makes it harder for your lawyer and B, if you get busted, it is perjury. But in Denmark, they call it the accused and they have the right to remain silent, much like in the U.S. But yeah, they, they have no obligation to tell the truth while they're up there. The witnesses do have an obligation to tell the truth and are sworn in and everything's the same. But it's an interesting idiosyncrasy of the system that it's seen as a protection it's almost like because they i mean they don't have the same united states constitution as we do and we have the fifth amendment privilege against self incrimination so if i'm on the stand and i did commit a crime in america i've sworn to tell the truth so i either lie or i incriminate myself i if i lie it's perjury if i'm I have a Fifth Amendment right not to incriminate myself, I would assert the Fifth Amendment and say uh, on the advice of counsel, I'm refusing to answer under my Fifth Amendment privilege or whatever you want to say, which is interesting, right? If you think about it, if you're a juror and you're, say, you're in the Murdoch trial or whatever trial and you hear the defendant saying, I assert my Fifth Amendment privilege. It always sounds sus. It shouldn't. Right. For I mean, sure. it's like that's
2: where it does. We I mean, yeah, does. I think so.
0: Right. Like, let's be realistic here. Many times jurors, no matter the admonitions, frequently take asserting your Fifth Amendment privilege as guilt. He's got he's hiding some shit. He's hiding something. He's hiding if some you didn't shit. have
2: something to hide, you would you just talk. Yeah. On the flip side.
0: To me, having a situation where you are under no obligation to tell the truth and you freely answer every question, I would then be suspicious of everything you said. I would just be yeah. like, "Oh, well, they can lie." So, so maybe the idea under the Denmark jurisprudence is that we don't really we want to hear your side of it, but we don't put a ton of weight into it. More weight's put into admissible evidence. Much of the testimony is oral, is through witnesses and what happened. And so, knowing that the witnesses are. Obligated to tell the truth, it it may just be that it's a way around not having a Fifth Amendment. But also, you know, we don't really need their testimony. We're
2: here; the state has to prove the case. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it from that point of view. I also didn't know that witnesses were obligated to tell the truth. So that kind of changes it. Because at first, I thought. Well, if anybody can get up there and say whatever, why are we wasting everybody's time? Because, it, you know, there's no sense in having a trial over just lies when you're trying to sort through what's truth and what's fiction. I think, though, that you're on something that it's kind of like saying we're going to give you literally your day in court because you you get to tell your side of what's happened because you have been accused. But that's not what is going to hold the most weight in this case And so, therefore, yada, 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 say what you want. Okay, get down. Let's focus on the stuff that we know to be fact.
0: Yeah. And there are cases in this is in city court and in district court cases in Denmark and these lower level courts to be the same one that the case is heard by one professional judge and then two lay judges or really jurors. It's people from the community. So, you have a professional judge and two community members sitting there. Different cases. might if it's a highly complex case, there might be three judges. There's so many exceptions of why. But his case was a judge and two lay jurors, like two lay judges that sit there and collaborate together, I guess, and come up with their answer. But yeah, it's a, an interesting system. That's so interesting that it's only two. Mm-hmm. In some other cases, it might be three professional jurors at higher level. It And it said in some cases, it could be three judges and six jurors. This, to me, was interesting that it was just one judge and two legers, given that it is a heinous crime. Right, yeah. The, the worst, high profile.
2: The worst murder they that's ever happened in their history, is what they say. Mm-hmm. I would have thought there would have been a lot of eyes on the case just to get multiple points of view
0: or you say it's not going to take more than one judge and two lay jurors. This is sufficient. There's a lot. The
2: state has sufficient evidence. We'll be all right. We're not going to subject more people to have to hear all of this to those two that had to. My gosh. So though they are just like residents, like jurors are in America. Yeah. Lay, lay judges. Yeah. Lay people. Sarah, the volunteer whose identity was kept anonymous in the media came forward to testify about her interactions with Peter, asking her aboard the sub and his graphic descriptions of murder plans. Peter played these messages off as a joke. Another woman also testified that Peter had asked her twice to take a ride on the sub, including just two days before leaving with Kim. The prosecution alleged Peter had premeditated the murder and was actively trying to lure a woman aboard for his sinister purpose.
0: Yeah. The second woman that came forward said as much. She said, if I was down there with him, I was like, this could have been me. And then Kim said yes. And she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah.
2: She said he kept saying, let's go out on it. And she would say, OK, well, yeah, um, maybe my husband can come. And he'd be like, no, no, we're not going to do it then. Or she'd say, oh, yeah, my my two kids would love to come. Anytime she tried to bring someone, he made up an excuse as to why it couldn't happen anymore. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out why. Exactly. Yeah. He had a very specific vision and it involved no husband, and no kids around. No. Mm hmm. On April 25th, 2018, Judge Annette Burko and two jurors found Peter Madsen guilty of all three of the main charges of premeditated murder, aggravated sexual assault and desecrating a corpse. The judge said. There is clear evidence that the accused has shown an interest in killing and dismembering people. The judge summarized what happened
0: plainly, stating that the crime was a cynical and pre-planned sexual assault of a particularly brutal nature on a random woman who, in connection with her journalistic work, accepted an invitation for a sailing trip. That sums it up. Yeah, it's so brutal and so the circumstances around it so simple. And then the act itself and yeah. what happened next is so complex and so brutal. And the lesson out of this was, I mean, the one of the journalists that cover it just said he treated women like playthings. Mm-hmm. He was open about it, that he had no respect for women. He thought they were there for his amusement, enjoyment, and discarding after he was done, that he was not trying to hide it. And on top of that. He was a psychopath. I mean, the the evaluation is public. Mm-hmm. And when you mix those two together, you see a person capable of doing something
2: like this. Mm-hmm. Peter and his wife were divorced in 2018. When it was reported, she abandoned the marriage. In 2020, Peter married a 39-year-old woman named Jenny Kirpin, a Russian artist who now lives in Finland after a self-imposed exile from Russia. Kirpin met Madsen after deciding to involve him in... An art project she was working on called This is not the Peter we knew. The two began communications in the fall of 2018 and became legally married shortly thereafter. It's sad because I think he's just a... I
0: don't know the right word, but where you... It's like a sucker fish. Like, he grabs onto somebody
2: and... That's vulnerable and struggling and with other things. I don't think anyone that is um, healthy would seek out a relationship with someone accused of such a horrible crime. She was doing this art project, and she wanted to kind of highlight how people um, ab- abandoned, abandoned their friends in, in times of need and the struggle of that and everything. And in it, she's like, oh, I really should get him involved to like get his point of view on stuff. And that sealed the deal. They started a long distance relationship kind of pin pals and it escalated from there. But I think once he had his foot in the door, the manipulation, and like you said, the second on starts and he sees very quickly how to, get her where he wants her yeah he's a master
0: manipulator and Mm -hmm. a liar so of course his version of it that she's gonna hear is gonna be well they had me say all those things and of course it wasn't true and all that evidence was made up and uh, you know it's almost Mm -hmm. like the last one we khalil wheeler weaver saying they all lied about me and this was all made up it's like man, we have smoking gun evidence
2: he also has that cult leader mentality we talked about where he can kind of convince you know people that are enamored by him whatever he wants charming yeah for sure Kirpin received untold harassing messages and threats after announcing her nuptials to Madsen on Facebook. She wrote a reply saying, My husband committed a horrible crime and he is punished for that.
0: However, knowing him for real gives me an exclusive right to say that I'm lucky to be with the most beautiful, smart, talented, devoted and empathetic person and man ever. My husband is the one of two victims of his crime and staying alive was a punishment itself for him. I'm sorry. That Dude. is offensive. That's fucking offensive. I um, get if you want to be married levels. to him, but fuck you.
2: Fuck you and fuck you for calling him a victim. I that's mean That's it. That's where it get that's what got me. You you know her family's going to see this and even if one person sees it, that's one too many if this is how you want to live your fucked up life, go for it. It sounds like you got a lot of issues that you need help with her history before this and kind of, we're not going to get into it, but her whole history in Russia and like political leanings and why she had to, you know, do this self-imposed exile. It kind of shows that she was probably on the fringes of society, Mm. you know, and, and sought out things that weren't conventional she gets involved with this guy and it's just like all over from there. But I cannot understand how anyone, unless they are under extreme mental duress, can have any type of feeling other than fear and disgust for a person like this. I think it harkens to some of
0: the ego slash curiosity that we've seen in Tiger King and the Grizzly Man and even Peter, where you want to get close to the edge, you want to get close to danger, you want to get that close to the tiger, that close to the bear, and then, well, I'm the chosen one because it gives you this special feeling, right? Sarah Lawrence Colt, Yes, Larry Ray. Larry He's, Ray? You get rumors like, Larry did what to whom? Well, and then he says, uh, you're mine, you're my baby. I'm mm-hmm. choosing you, you're mine. And so you do see there's manipulation tactics, but the draw to it is there is... I think there's a draw that says uh, it feels good, right, to be the exception.
2: Yeah, perhaps. I think in this case, she reached out to him wanting to know more about him already with the title of her work being called This Is Not the Peter We Knew yeah. gives you the it shines some light on the angle that she was coming at it from.
0: Yeah, I know for sure. Sinister will be right back.
2: Danish news website BT reported that at the time of Madsen's marriage to Kirpin, Peter had several female pen pals. While in prison, Peter also had a romance with a female prison guard. Even more disturbing, he formed a long-distance relationship with a female minor, who claims she fell in love with the murderer. These disturbing relationships have led to Denmark passing a law that bans prisoners from starting new relationships during the first 10 years of their sentence. It also restricts them to letter or telephone contact only with people already close to them prior to their detention, according to the Daily Mail.
0: And there are pretty loose
2: conjugal visit rules and touching rules. Oh, my goodness. And he had sex with the minor when she came to visit him. He had sex with the minor. He had sex with a prison guard. He had his own cell, which, I mean... for his own safety i don't think that's what it was for i think it was more prisoners over there kind of treated different than they are here especially one that commits a act that heinous they're very few and far between yeah and to let them have just conjugal visits him and a woman in his cell Mm -hmm. with no one else in there and you know what he's convicted of Yeah, I see
0: if you want to say, listen, this person uh, didn't pay their taxes for six years and they're married and we want them to we're not cruel and unusual here. But if you say this person is a psychopath who stabbed and dismembered a person and a woman. Yeah, not just a woman and has a predilection and obsession with violence towards women and is sexually aroused by violence towards women. And then to say, well, if they want to go in there, they could go in there. I think at some point you got to put the guardrails on It's
2: to me, incredibly irresponsible. And you're just asking for something fucking terrible to happen. And I don't know if people check IDs over there or what. But if a young girl shows up to go meet this guy and... Hopefully you check her ID and see she's 17. But even if she's 18 and I don't know what their legal laws for consent are over there. Why would you let that happen? And a prison guard is, is doing it too.
0: I mean, it makes me think of the woman that was here in the States who got caught up with that charming prisoner and let him loose on her last day before retirement. And yeah, they were on the run. So it's a, that's something that happens though. And
2: yeah, I think it's, it's the gruesome nature of this crime that puts it in a different category for me personally.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I like I said, it's if you told me like, ah, there was a bar fight and somebody got it's sad and and it's but you might say, well, that was a circumstantial situation. right? His circumstance actually is this, right? It's a confined area. You can't get away from it with a woman who's vulnerable under his, you know, control at that moment because he's going to physically overpower them. Then, yeah, you're literally giving him exactly what he wants. So shut it down. We have shut it down now. Sounds like it's
2: also not circumstantial in the sense that tempers were raised and something out of character happened. This guy's a fucking monster and has been for maybe ever. Yeah. And you're just it's like a hungry lion this is the second time i've used a lion metaphor in this episode and you just open the den and throw some meat in there to
0: him I'll walk a miner with a nice juicy steak in her hands in there and close the door behind her
2: and go so fucking wild to me yeah he also fuck his wants and needs once you do something like this yeah. you don't get to have sex with anybody anymore no, that's I, part of it yeah
0: Yeah. Shut it down. He doesn't deserve any of that. (laughs) I'm
2: sorry. I don't... If He's not getting the death penalty because they don't have that. But at the very least, he doesn't need to be getting treats. little like, well, you did good this week. Here you go. Yeah. No, it's one of those... I
0: I think prisoners in any country deserve basic meals, right? Three hots and a cot, basic care, health care, medical care, whatever. But when you see things like oh, I'm going to get visitors. Maybe a person should have to show contrition They should have to show rehabilitation moving Mm -hmm. forward. His things all seem to have come from a a place of entitlement. I need this. This is mine. I want it. Not, well, we've been working with Peter in intensive therapy for three years, and he's really shown that he's made this progress. It's like, that's just what he wanted, and he was luring people close and far to him to do his bidding. It had nothing to do with, hey, you deserve this based on your ongoing rehabilitation and possible future contributions to society. Mm -hmm. He's just a piece of shit, who tricks people constantly
2: yeah and much like he was just looking for any woman to go on board the sub he was looking for any woman to marry in my opinion he had multiple pen pal romantic relationships going on with other women at the time he was talking to kirpin and that's just the one that stuck this guy likes to have a lot of irons in the fire yeah he wants options Finally, in 2020, in over 20 hours of secret recordings with a Danish journalist, Peter opened up about the killing. Called The Secret Recordings with Peter Madsen, the tapes are the first time Peter has admitted to murdering Kim Wall. When asked if he murdered Kim, Peter replied, Yes. Going on to say, There is only one who is guilty, and that is me. Although Peter finally admitted that Kim's death was no accident, he still refused to take the blame, instead saying that Kim pushed some buttons during the interview aboard the sub, and by doing that, she touched a landmine. So there's no acceptance of responsibility. He's victim blaming and saying, well, she shouldn't have talked about stuff I didn't want her to, and this was the price that was paid, which we know isn't true because it was completely premeditated he had the sub loaded with his torture tools he's just looking for a reason to still deflect and say like and, and again control the narrative
0: oh yeah and the and control the perception around him and his how he appears that even if he's going to now admit it he admits it because i was provoked it was a natural yeah. reaction to being provoked, right? Not, listen, the The real fact is he's a psychopath, a sexual sadist, and a deviant, and that's, he did it for nothing more than kicks.
2: Yeah. If the natural reaction is to do something like that, one, that's not the natural reaction. But also, there's evidence that he was stalking the saw and other tools on the sub that day. Oh, yeah. So, it's just, again, just so smug that you think the public knowing all of that is gonna be like oh well i guess she she was asking for it she shouldn't ask that question that's what he thinks the perception is i
0: think the real public perception is you're a fucking liar we've known you've been a liar from the jump the
2: only thing we trust you on is if
0: you say i'm a liar because
2: that's true (laughs) yeah and in fact not just a liar but um this makes him look in my opinion, even more disgusting than he already was. Oh, absolutely. Like an idiot.
0: And he thinks that he's smarter than everybody. And it's like, you're so far beyond not smarter than the rest of Mm -mm. us because we
2: see right through it. It's transparent. Yeah. Authorities suspect that Kim's murder was not the first Madsen has committed. 17-year-old Emily Ming vanished from a Danish port after a night out with friends in July of 2016. Six months later, her body was found in a lake, according to the Daily Mail. Similarities between Emily and Kim's murders have led authorities to believe that they might be connected. And Thomas Dursing, who was Peter's biographer and gave him that nickname,
0: Rocket Madsen, said he read the report. Thomas had read the report of the psychiatric evaluation done with regard to Kim's trial and said that the levels to which Peter was testing as far as psychopathy, sexual deviance and extreme predilection toward violence made Thomas pretty much assume that there's no way this would have been his first crime. And he said, there was such a brutality that made me question whether he could have done this before. There are case mar- there are cases in Denmark that are being looked into or should be looked into. And I would agree with that. I can't imagine this yeah. is first.
2: Uh, to go from if nothing to that does seem like a huge leap to me. He was obviously watching a lot of videos and stuff, but still to be able to go through with the act, I feel like you had to have had some experience with that before. Oh, definitely. And the deputy chief
0: of police for Malmo, Sweden, said it's not sure to say, but it's his opinion that it was not the first crime. He goes, you don't start off committing a crime like that right? as your first violent crime. And they've run his DNA through Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and he hasn't left DNA anywhere. But also Emily, much like Kim, was found in water and so it may have washed off. He may mm-hmm. have done something in advance to try to hide his tracks. But I do believe that he has been involved in some violence towards women, not the consensual in a club. I mean, to a unknowing victim before Kim and would yeah. have after if they didn't
2: catch him. For Oh, 100%. Emily, when she went missing, was in the, a port near where he lived at the time. And she had also been seen Um, possibly getting into a a white car or a white car was involved in her disappearance. And at the time he drove a car that was white that was very similar. So, you know, I mean, if that was the only evidence, I'd say it was a reach, but knowing what he's capable of, I I would not be surprised if those two are linked. And for the sake of her family getting some sort of justice and closure, I, I hope they are able to link him to other murders for for that for all of those families right just get an answer Mm -hmm. in october of 2020 peter put his engineering skills to the test again he was serving out his sentence at a jail in suburban copenhagen when he made a break for it after threatening a prison guard with a pistol-like object and taking a female mental health professional hostage Madsen was able to escape after the prison guards made the decision to let him out, not wanting to risk the lives of others in the prison, according to the BBC. May I briefly interject? <laughs>
0: this fucking you all know idiot. I love uh, our country like you love a cousin who's there, a bit of a ne'er-do-well, but maybe means well, has gotten a little off. You can't walk out of it. A- They're not going to let you walk out of jail here. No. Nope. I-
2: I don't not, even think... Not just, they're not going to open the gates for you, usually.
0: If you have a vest on that looks like an explosive, they're going to snipe you in the head. I mean, they're yeah. just going to do it. There's guards in the thing. That's not a good thing. Maybe, maybe it isn't. But interesting choice to let him out, given his behavior previously, knowing, thank, you know, thank God it was you know, he, he didn't hurt anybody on his way out. But nevertheless, I, my opinion is prison's the best place for this guy
2: yeah yeah i don't know what um prisons are like over there or if they carry guns i would assume they do yeah people's they've all got a minimal amount of weaponry yeah so it is and maybe this is coming at it from two red-blooded americans who are like You know, guns are a thing here. We're the worst kind
0: of Americans. We're Texans. (laughs) The worst kind of Americans.
2: And, I mean, I I am not... uh, I I, I believe we should have much, much stricter gun laws. I think, though, there are occasions where somebody's got to do something, and this would be at the top of my list of when it's okay to use a gun. I would agree with that, that you have a
0: not just a criminal but a particularly violent criminal who has been evaluated by experts to say all he wants to do is this again as many times as possible that uh you know uh, a lead sandwich might
2: not have been too bad of a an opportunity and i'm not
0: saying you even got
2: to kill him but shoot him in the knee you know just prevent him from leaving i mean he had a belt on so they thought he might have some sort of explosives on him so i and he I mean, he's a rocket man. Yeah. He <laughs>
0: shoot his ass off into space. But yeah, I, I get it from the perspective of if he has this reputation and he did of, oh, he's this genius inventor that could invent anything. You think he I get it that you think he might have MacGyvered it. Yeah. I still don't know that the public's really the ones that
2: no bear the I mean, yeah, yeah. Peter's freedom, however, was short lived. Madsen was captured just half a mile from the jail five minutes later. When police noticed Madsen was wearing something that resembled a belt, he was forced to sit on the ground for close to an hour and a half until a remote-controlled bomb disposal robot known as Rule Marie arrived, according to the BBC. It was determined that both the gun and explosive belt were fakes, and Peter was returned to jail. And there is a harrowing photo of him sitting on this little grassy
0: hump mm-hmm. and there are officers with rifles pointed at him yeah, you know yeah, holding they got, him still uh, yeah. so it wasn't like he got loose and was running loose on the city they tracked him pretty much and
2: it was a calculated move
0: i uh was still shocked at the ease with which he seemed to have left
2: yeah and there's footage of him escaping oh god and he's running across like I, it looks like a just an outdoor concrete thing and then a couple seconds later, a guard is running after him going, Peter, Peter, Peter!" like your friend's running away from you. Or your dog got loose. Yeah. I mean, in their defense, they did like that, have people out there with weapons strained. He tried to jump into like this van, but they were saw quickly where he went and, and got him out of there. So all in all, he luckily wasn't able to hurt anybody. The fact, though, that he could have it could have gone different he could have escaped and uh, fled the country and you know gotten away with the whole thing
0: well and it makes me wonder too where did he get a hold of whatever objects he cobbled together to make the fake explosive vest or belt he shouldn't have access to anything like that how
2: was he allowed to take a woman hostage
0: yeah was he not crafting lock him down more i'm not saying how
2: is why does he get to craft
0: I'm not saying he needs a Hannibal Lecter situation, but that's a great question. Why is he he crafting? Or why does he have objects?
2: And if maybe he's... And again, this is coming at it from... Totally different perspective. Totally different perspective. But here, if someone that was had been convicted of a crime like this, was seeing a psychiatrist in a prison setting, they would most likely be handcuffed to the desk. Yeah, shackled. And shackled. So they can't cause any harm to anyone in there. He doesn't seem like that was going on here if he can take somebody hostage. I will say from a
0: different perspective, and this just popped in my head, a friend of mine is a school teacher, and we were talking about ways to get people to behave, right? Your teacher middle schoolers or high schoolers They're almost
2: adults-ish. I mean, but they're big enough to run off and you got to... I mean, my God, that story right now of the high schooler that beat the shit out of his teacher, eh? And he's being tried as an adult. Oh, God, I didn't see that. I'll
0: have to look into that. Six
2: foot six. Yeah. So uh,
0: we were talking together about, you know, how do you get people to respond behaviorally and uh, my friend said people respond to the conditions to which they're placed and explained that in an experiment where you told everybody oh kind of stand in a line over here and there were some like minimal stanchions that people were like lined up pretty much right on par nobody was cutting there was nothing but when they included a significant amount of guarding and extra stress people started acting wilder than they Mm. would have with the, the less stanchions All that to say is possibly the idea of a rehabilitative criminal justice facility like this one is you don't want to shackle everybody. You don't want to hold them down because they'll perform to the conditions with which they're presented. However, if you have somebody that's a documented psychopath, don't put
2: them in the same bucket with everybody else. That's what I'm saying. No, I think you're very much onto something. And I, because... Denmark has such a low crime rate, specifically murder. This is like the most heinous thing that has ever happened to this country. Clearly, they're doing things right. Yes. Because the U.S. is vastly different. I think the, what you just said, though, you can't put him in the same category as everybody else. Perhaps because this was so unusual, they didn't have a system set up for someone, a murderer of this caliber mm-hmm. going forward. Maybe. I mean, they obviously changed laws around conjugal visits. I I also saw that after this prison break came out, it came out that prison breaks in Denmark aren't uncommon. Oh, wow. And in fact, a couple months before this, there had been another prison break because guns had been smuggled into the prisoner in a cake box. Oh, like, no. The old style. I think... I think it may have been a mafia person, someone involved in, like, organized crime. They're like, I, mean, I saw this in a movie. Let's see if it works. But, I mean, it's kind of like you have a very progressive country who is wants to treat people with respect. And yeah. I agree with your teacher friend's assessment that people bristle. And if they feel like they're, they're a caged animal, they're going to react as such. There's got to be a common ground between giving too much and also protecting yourself and others
0: well like there's
2: exceptions to every rule
0: so it sounds yeah. like the rule's not too bad but somebody like this you got to do exceptions yeah sinister hood will be right back in a press conference after the
2: escape an official told reporters today we've had a bit of an unusual case at the jail Peter was given an additional 19 months on top of his life sentence for the escape, which may affect any future probation applications. Peter appealed his sentence, asking for a lesser term, but the appeals court upheld the life sentence. However, in Denmark, a prisoner sentenced to life can request a pardon hearing after just 12 years. The prisoner will not be released if there is a high likelihood that they will reoffend. I don't foresee him getting out. I think there's definitely a high likelihood that he would reoffend. I certainly hope that uh, he is not let out. The Nautilus was destroyed by Danish officials after Peter's trial, with Deputy Police Inspector Brian Belling from the Copenhagen police telling reporters, it is true that it is gone. Footage shot by Emma Sullivan showed wrecking crews tearing down Peter's lab and tossing the shell of his planned rocket into a dumpster. A Silenced Voice, The Life of Journalist Kim Wall, was published in 2020. Written by Kim's parents, Ingrid and Yoke, the book, described as A moving memoir of an inexplicable crime, focuses on their daughter's beautiful life before she was taken from them. They were compelled to write the book after being contacted by members of the media wanting their story. Ingrid wrote of her decision in her journal,
0: There were hundreds of journalists calling us in different ways, and all they wanted was to write Kim's true story. And we said from the first day that if anyone will write Kim's story, it will be us and no one else. Determined for their daughter to be remembered for more than her death, Ingrid wrote, We must, we will tell who Kim was as a human being, as a friend, as a journalist, as a daughter, as a fiancé,
2: and a sister. A dramatization called The Investigation was produced about the case in 2021. Kim's parents were also involved in the project and told Sky News that they felt the need to participate, saying,
0: We had to do it. Otherwise, we'd have fallen down this big black pit and never come back to life
2: again. This was the only way to survive, to make something good out of it. They also participated because of how the series focused less on Peter and more on Kim, the couple told Sky News. It gives us meaning to tell the world who Kim was.
0: She was a talented, brilliant young woman. We hope she's remembered like that.
2: Her parents are incredible. Her whole family, her brother, her her fiance. It's she's her mom was also said like something to the effect of instead of writing headlines, my daughter is now one. Yes. And when your loved one has had a a wonderful life and most people probably haven't heard of her, you know, within her career they had and she was up and coming and she'd done some great work. But then all you're known for is something fucking terrible. And I admire them that they have dedicated their lives now to, to putting her work out there and showing everybody that she, was so much more than her final moments. Oh, definitely. And they
0: really did a beautiful job of bringing Kim to life on the page. And they're both journalists. So they're both great yeah. writers. And the moments that they chose to include are beautiful moments of a parent and their adult daughter. And I'm going to get yeah. choked up because they said when she brought Ole around, they said, "Well, you better hang on to him. He's a good one. And mm-hmm. she said, oh, he's the one. You better get used to having him around. He's the one. And that's they're going to get married. And you have this beautiful picture of young people in love living the dream doing the job that she dreamt to do ever since she was a kid on top of the world and the flip side is the media coverage at the time was extremely sexist they would call peter the evil genius and she was just the girl in the sub some girl in the sub and people would comment what was she wearing why would she go out there with a man this is a what was she willing to do and seeing the the headlines fabricating this narrative around her that was not truly who she was it, it takes a lot of strength and like we said it is more violence inflicted on a family that's already gone through it that that is the narrative but mm-hmm. it just so happens that they have this power with storytelling with words and we're able to through their grief, channel it in a way that that was natural for them to tell that story. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, parts of the book, it would give me chills because it was it was so realistic. They're just phenomenal
2: storytellers and they put you with Kim as who she is. Mm-hmm. And Ingrid also, from the day that they found out from Ole that Kim was missing, started keeping a journal. She mm-hmm. said at first, it was just notes on um, like when somebody called them to tell them something, or like, you know, trying to piece it together, because so much was happening, she didn't want to forget it. And then she realized that it was really helping her process what was going on. And then once they found out that Kim had died, that you know how to kind of mourn and grieve through that. So it became more of this journal. And so you're Like we saw in real time, the documentary, you're hearing in real time how it was for that family. And she writes in the first person in the book. And you're right. She said that first phone call they got from
0: Ole late at night saying, Mm -hmm. hey, I've contacted the authorities because I can't find her. They just made a quick note of like what happened, like what's going on. And so then at the end of the book, there's like an appendix that just gives you the whole entire timeline moment by moment by moment of what they knew and when. And it all is because of that using writing as a way to -hmm. to anchor yourself in a horrible situation and then to process it outside of that afterwards.
2: The Into the Deep documentary was released on Netflix in 2020. Shot by Emma Sullivan, the film features real-time footage of the days leading up to the murder, including footage of Peter talking about psychopaths 11 months before the murder, seemingly confessing his true intentions to emma the amount of
0: very uncomfortable moments in that are many and that's definitely one of them
2: it's bizarre and it's there's that one there's also the one we talked about last time where he's cooking in the little gross lab kitchen and talking about how they're gonna you know tie her up and and torture her all this stuff that and when you look back at it, knowing what we know, in hindsight's twenty twenty. But this guy was pretty much without coming out and saying, "I'm I'm gonna fucking kill somebody," and this is how I'm gonna do it. Was talking about it for close to a year, like openly, yeah. And it's- but in a way that seemed like he was just making fucking gross weird awkward conversation
0: and towards the end of the into the deep he has a whole kind of rant he goes on that he's like why would i admit to anything i have a right to remain silent and kind of almost going on this weird defensive rant and that was the day before the murder
2: yeah it's like he played it out in his head already of things and was had this script or how he would reply or answer stuff and again he's like testing it out on people before he has to really
0: use it yeah because the fantasy was all part of it and trying to prepare for the fantasy and plan for it
2: to emma's credit that she stuck around during this whole thing and continue to film says a lot about her journalistic integrity because especially after a journalist gets murdered on his submarine to even stick around that is you know to to tell kim's story is really remarkable and she was also extremely empathetic telling sarah's story and trying to
0: figure out a way to keep it anonymous but understanding that taking the narrative back away from peter
2: is was so important Mm -hmm. hbo max released undercurrent in march of 2022 directed and produced by aaron lee carr the documentary focuses on kim wall and her accomplished career as a journalist Through interviews with colleagues, friends, and loved ones, Kim's brilliant work and personality are spotlighted as those closest to her choose to celebrate her life by honoring her legacy instead of focusing on her brutal death. The volunteer known in Emma Sullivan's documentary Only as Sarah was credited with helping get Peter convicted with her testimony. She told cameras,
0: In Danish, we have this expression saying that you can silence somebody to death. You can, in a way, like just... If you don't talk about it, it won't exist. But some of the truth of the story will be lost if the stories of the ones left behind
2: are not being told. Kim's family is ensuring their daughter's story is being told. Kim's mom, Ingrid Wall, summed up her daughter's legacy at a vigil with family and friends at the Columbia School of Journalism. In addition to mourning the loss of their daughter, her family also mourned the loss of her incredibly important work. Ingrid told supporters... We have been deprived of all the untold stories she would have loved to tell us. To ensure the world hears more stories like those Kim loved to tell, her family has established the Kim Wall Memorial Fund, which honors her spirit and legacy. The grant will fund a young female reporter to cover subculture broadly defined and what Kim liked to call the undercurrents of rebellion. The first recipient, Anne Christine Herman, Use the funds to complete on-the-ground reporting for a book about the people of Greenland who were long oppressed by Denmark. In her speech receiving the grant, Herman said, I'm humbled to be entrusted with carrying her journalistic integrity forward. The foundation furthers the need for something Kim's mother pointed out at the 2017 memorial for Kim.
0: Humanity needs more courageous women like Kim. Women who want to endeavor to tell, give voices to the weak ones, and to make this planet a
2: better place to live. Donations can be made via the International Women's Media Foundation. The 2023 grantees of the Kim Wall Memorial Fund will be announced this month on March 23, 2023, on what would have been Kim's 36th birthday. So what do we think?
0: Well, like we said, it's one of the most heinous cases we've covered. And the question is always, why? Why talk about it? Why cover it? And one of Kim's friends in Undercurrent said, the only relevance to Peter is if we can find red flags to see what happened and reevaluate how we discuss tragedy. And I would agree with that because I think, start to finish with this case, there are lessons to be learned that we as a society cannot abide people like Peter Madsen who treat women like they are not full people, who treat them like playthings, like secondary nature. And women, gender minorities, anyone who's not a man is what I'm saying. And when you other people and you say, well, I'm a man, so I matter, and you, whatever you are, don't matter because you're not me. I think when we abide things like that, then we can see how a person like Peter Madsen with a Nazi for a dad, you know, his mom is abused. He watches her get abused. She's gone. He's alienated and the re- he's also
2: playing with explosives at six years old
0: yeah being introduced to violence at a super early age and seeing that trail up or, or lead to where it led and i think we need to investigate those people we heroize and you say like he's a hero he's rocket Matson. and i think thomas during his biographer had to kind of reckon with what he had done that he said you know i gave him this persona and Really investigating who the hell are we putting on a pedestal here and saying are some super genius. And then because of we deify these mortals who not only are mortals, but in this case, this guy's a, a demon. I mean, he's awful. But you deify these people and then that leads to media depictions that when she was missing and then when it was it came out that she was killed referring to him as like an evil genius in a sex sub with this this sultry journalist where you see sex sexism in media and scrutinizing the media that we consume and say i don't want to read this article that's like the sexy genius and the sub girl and really denigrate very
2: salacious headlines that are just begging for a click
0: yeah and denigrating people in their humanity and I think then on the flip side what do we want we want storytellers like Kim Wall who will like listen and go to these go to women feminists in China on the front line and Mm -hmm. listen and tell their story and the fact that her parents have taken this like the worst thing that could ever happen to somebody, and turn it into a way to keep the narrative with the people who we need to be telling it, which are, mm-hmm. her mother said, courageous women, courageous people who want to tell this story. And the fact that her parents are putting money and uh, time and their her, their daughter's legacy behind that, I think that is the hel- That's going to be helpful because those are the people we want telling these stories who aren't going to call somebody the sub the girl in the submarine. She just right. so ha- it's like this was a, a journalist a human a person and i think you can't ignore it exactly what sarah said you can't you can hide someone's story and that's killing them a second time and so i think if there is something as kim's friend tim said that what can we find and reevaluate how we discuss the tragedy and centering the narrative of the people involved ole Yoke, ingrid the family members the sarah the other victims emma also a victim and Taking that back, I think not only is that good for us as a full society, but on top of that, you know what else it is? It's revenge against Peter Madsen because repeatedly everybody that knew him said Peter couldn't stand to be ignored and he couldn't stand to be to lose. And guess what? What we do is we say, we don't fucking care what you have to say anymore. This is about Kim. What did she mm-hmm. have to say? What does her family and friends have to say? And what do women have to say? What do we want to say about you as journalists? And also losing. He didn't want to lose. Guess what, bitch? Your rocket's in a dumpster and your submarine's <laughs> there too. It's in a scrapyard where it belongs. So taking back the narrative, that's what I think.
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's along the same lines as with mass shooters and stuff Mm -hmm. making a push in the media to not name them and honor the victims instead and taking away the power of people wanting to see um their name in in lights and you get this credit and this you know weird um acknowledgement of being this monster when you take that away i think it takes part of why they do it away too now with peter i think he was gonna do it Regardless. Oh, yes. And so at this point, what we do is take back the narrative and support foundations like this. Focus on the victims and what their lives were before the worst thing that ever happened to them or their family. Yeah. I think this is one of those cases, too, that for women, well, obviously sticks with this because of the brutal nature of it. But you said earlier that... Sick, simple circumstances surrounded this very complicated crime that no one could have seen. Well, that's not true. We all kind of could have seen it coming in hindsight, but that it was just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go on this sub and just these like real casual. Nobody would ever think twice about its circumstances. And that's when things get super scary, because. Those are the situations that we all kind of have our guard down in. We all are like, OK, well, I'm not going to walk through this parking garage at midnight in the dark by myself because we know danger could be around the corner. But when it's a person like this, that has been this hero in the media. And it's just this you've met with him. He's eccentric. All these people are working for him, including women, and seem to really love him. You don't think anything of it.
0: Right. And that—that that is goes to the insidious nature of. Not only his manipulation and the level to which he was able to maintain this facade and lie to people and pretend to be what he's not, but also in the deification of him, that there's books about him, that he's a genius and he's amazing and so great. And a listener commented on one of our social media posts and said, it was kind of well known. He was a nightmare to work for. And Mm. so things like that where it's like he has explosive rage and violence if in the coverage of him it's like, well, he's just a he gets a pass because he's a wacky eccentric genius. Or
2: his employees are too scared to say anything when people interview them. So the only picture the media gets is the one that he
0: wants out there. Right. And so him trying to control his own narrative, which goes right back to who's telling the stories and how are they telling it? Are they telling it in a fair and accurate way and not a look at how amazing this peter guy he's a super genius and he's great because yeah then we're not knowing that the label on the can can is uh not quite accurate about what's inside
2: i think empathy and compassion and a switch in media and journalism in general of coming at it more from the victim's point of view inside of things than the perpetrator when appropriate you know and not giving all the attention to a mass shooter and not even naming the, the people that he killed that's where we need to get away from we need to approach same with like true crime podcasts and everything you shouldn't be reporting on it like this salacious entertaining voyeuristic thing like why how did we get here what can we do to change it if we all start coming at things like that i think there could be a collective shift mm-hmm. in the way we all kind of look at these types of things. And we as humans start to become more empathetic and perhaps we stop doing some of the fucked up shit that we do. Exactly. And,
0: and as consumers, if you don't make the media being cognizant of what you consume and saying, yeah, for sure i want to consume things in a more ethical way i as best you can do that's that's what we all try to do and i i've noticed you know in researching stuff and certain publications phrase things in certain ways and that are more uh, tabloid-esque versus oh, sure. the type of reporting that, that Kim did. And now if you can go on the Kim Wall Memorial website, which we'll link in the show notes, to donate. But also her parents have created this repository of all of her work. Oh, and nice. you can see the recipients of the grant and see what they've been doing. Like the book, uh, Miss Herman finished her book on the oppression of this group mm-hmm. of people that might otherwise not get told. And so I think understanding, like, I want to consume stuff that's made ethically and the the... Result is also ethical and some we can all feel good about. I think you don't want to turn your head turn your eyes away from evil, hide your your head in the sand and go, well, it's just too sad. I can't think about it. But if you bear witness to suffering and then say, "Okay, well, what are we going to do now? Uh, The very least is, you know, be cognizant of what you consume. Agreed. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a sinister head sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout out on the show, a monthly bonus mini episode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and more. Patrons in the Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment
2: each month that they would like to see us live stream. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. In March, the live Q&A will be March 29th at 8 p.m. Central, and
0: the March bonus content live stream will be March 31st at 2 p.m. Central. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership.
2: For more details on all of this and specific tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep
0: those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your
2: kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner. And share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting SinisterHood.com playlists. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. And like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We're also on YouTube and TikTok at Sinisterhood Podcast. Christy, where are you at? Well, first, before I say that, you know where else we're at. Where are we at? We're at Cameo.
0: Oh my gosh. How have we not told y'all that we're on Cameo? What is wrong with us? <laughs>
2: We've been posting about it on social, but it just occurred to me. I don't think we've said it here.
0: Well, if you don't know what Cameo is, it's a website where you can get a friendly face of your favorite creators like us to pass a message along to someone you love. For instance, Christy got me a Cameo from the illustrious and wonderful (laughs) Zach Guilford for my birthday (laughs) in 2021. I got Christy a cameo from Fiona, the hippo at the San Diego Zoo. The illustrious and magnificent Fiona. (laughs) She's also magnificent. So now you can get us to say happy birthday, happy anniversary. I quit. You're fired. I love you. I have a crush on you. I'm so sorry I backed into your car. I don't have insurance and I don't (laughs) know how to leave to yourself.
2: We did one the other night that was a pep talk to their self That's give yourself right. a gift you don't have to wait for somebody to get you something
0: right treat yourself i love mm-hmm. when i see people tag uh their friends spouses partners in when we post about the cameo like hint hint but also yeah treat yourself if you just want us to if you got a big test going up coming up or you had a rough week at work and you just want us to be like we love you just give us information and we we genuinely get together sit side by side and get excited to do these because we know mm-hmm. that the message means so much to y'all. So if you go to cameo.com slash sinisterhood or just search us on cameo.com, we'll send a video message for you about whatever, whatever you'd like to send. came Dot com slash sinisterhood. Mm-hmm. Now on
2: the internet, Christy, where are you at besides Cameo? Well, I can be found there. I can also be found on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and occasionally on twitter and tiktok at christy or gtfo heather i'm about to quit twitter but <laughs> i think i think I, I don't it would literally my life wouldn't miss a beat if it went away because that's how little i'm on it i'm struggling the
0: it's like a club and they turn the lights on and the only people left are people oh. you don't want to talk to ah gross yeah so i'm getting home, there find a new bar. There's about five or ten listeners that I go back and forth with and talk to you on there, on my personal one. And any other stranger, I'm like, we got nothing to talk about. <laughs> but if you want my, the dying gasps of my Twitter, it's MCK versus the world. And in TikTok and Instagram, it's Heather versus the world.
2: As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.
0: Hey, everybody, thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs Morgan Frocky, Angela, Erica Feig, Tori Woods, Erica, Ann Hoff, Nicole Valdez,
2: Lauren, Lucy Thompson, Amber Mahadi, Amy Nantista, Demetria Milton, Sogol Sarah Mendel, Kiana Taylor, Damn it, Dinkles, Whitney Storch, Mortar Kara Aladotter. Ashley Josephson, Wendy Walker, Sarah Lines, Brooks Ditton Zimmerman, Amy Brown, Evan McCarley, Maggie's Bark Mitzvah, <laughs> Ciara Hafner, Jen Tibbles, Heather Lemos, Samish, Kelsey Wooster, Jenna Brownfield, Elena Sullivan, Amy C., Laura Mead, Lainey Price, Megan Chance, Melissa Turgeon, Letty Lopez, Jennifer Popolardo, what's up? Oh, you know Jennifer. Yeah, nice. Heather Thresher, Heather Avery, Rebecca Prisemeyer, Looney Darville, Elena Gallego, Jacqueline Casey, Stephanie Persephone, Kayla Stettler, and Jocelyn. Well, we hope we pronounced everybody's names correctly. We could not do this without you, and we sincerely, sincerely appreciate all the love and support. Thank you so much. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Wahaha. Sinister